All right, if you would, I would ask you to take your Bible this morning and make your way to the book of Romans. Make your way, if you would, please, to the very first chapter of the book of Romans. Romans chapter number one will be our text. Um, I trust that you will have something to write with, an ink pen there, a, a piece of paper, a note card, something to take some notes. I hope and pray that you will arrange yourself as private and distraction-free as you possibly can. I know that my time online is limited for the attention span, and so I will move quickly, and then maybe you can go back and catch what, what you did not catch the first time. Join with me, please, in verse number 1 of Romans chapter 1. The Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith. Among all nations for his name. Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. To all, this is his audience, that be in Rome, beloved of God. Called to be saints, grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. Here's our text. That your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. I wish that you would take an ink pen or a highlighter there and you ought to underline that part of that verse that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. You know that moving into the month of December we paused our series in the Gospel of John that we were preaching through and we will return to that after revival. God had laid on my heart The thought of the world. And as he laid on on my heart the thought of the world, he laid on my heart a theme that we have been preaching from called joy to the world. It was so fitting at Christmas time, as you understand. And we have been looking at verses that speak basically to two directions. The peoples of the world and their need and the purpose of the church When it comes to their responsibility. And so I began with that wonderful passage that identifies the need of the peoples of the world. When we went to the book of Ephesians and we preached from that statement that said that there are those that are without God in this world. Being without God in this world meant that they were without the Lord Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. They were without spiritual blessing. It's one thing to know the blessing of of the world and the things that are in the world. But it's quite another thing to know blessing from above and to have spiritual blessing. The absence of 
Christ in their heart and a relationship with the Lord and the absence of spiritual blessing also talked about a hopelessness that as they are without God in this world, they were without hope, without an assurance, without a steadfastness, without a stability. And therefore, being absent of God in this world, in his heart, you can understand the burden and the need for the peoples of the world. You can also understand the behavior of the peoples of the world. You and I were once like that, Christian. You and I were without God in this world. Our behavior was anti-God. Our belief was anti-God. Our position was anti-God. But God loved us. And God sent His Son into the world to reconcile and redeem mankind. Understanding the need of the peoples of the world brought us to the book of Philippians. Where we were reminded as believers of our responsibility to shine as lights in this world. I preached you a message, indoor and outdoor lights. It's one thing to hang Christmas lights on our house. It's another thing to be a Christmas light in our person. The power of God resting upon us. The blessing of God resting upon us. And that we, and through our behavior, are to shine as lights in this crooked and perverse age. This age that does not know the straight way of salvation. The way, the truth, and the life. In understanding our responsibility, we were assured that the mystery of godliness is without controversy. Included in the mystery of godliness was the mystery of Christmas. And so as we looked at God manifest in the flesh, we understood that the Lord Jesus was believed on in the world. And the world does need someone to believe on. And that someone is the Lord Jesus. And he is the theme of every message that we preach. He is the theme of our lives. It is one thing to believe in God. It's another thing to believe on the Son of God. And we talked about the necessity of that. And the priority that ought to be in every area of our life. I was reminded and we were reminded by the Apostle Paul to Timothy. That we cannot be distracted from preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that the peoples of the world that are without God in this world. Can be introduced to the true and living God. That they not be deceived by the God of this world. And they could believe on the Lord Jesus. And we talked about the distraction of things in this world. And Paul reminded Timothy that we brought nothing into this world. And it is certain that we will carry nothing out of this world. God gives us things in this world to richly enjoy. There's nothing wrong with us enjoying things. There's nothing wrong with us having things. There's nothing wrong with wealth, with riches. Nothing wrong with owning a nice car, owning a nice home, owning a nice piece of jewelry, owning a nice wardrobe. Nothing wrong wrong in wanting or desiring things as far as uh, nice things. But there is something wrong with loving the things of this world. There is something wrong with being dominated by materialism. There is something wrong with loving money. The Bible says that the love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil. And, and some coveting after have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. As pastor, I've, I've seen the love of money creep into people's lives. And that's where you get the phrase, they'll do anything for money, right? Because they love money. And usually, the love of money, they end up piercing themselves and so God gives us richly things to enjoy but we're also to be rich in things that are not of this world things that will be laid up laid hold on eternal life 
Things that we can lay up where moth and rust do not corrupt and thieves don't break through and steal. So as we're rich in the things of this world, we ought to be rich in good works. We ought to be willing to give and meet people's needs. We ought to be good stewards. You need to understand that you came in with nothing and you're going out with nothing. And and so important is that because the last thing you ever want is for the things of this world to keep you from the Savior of the world. And you don't want to you don't want to sell your soul for the things of this world. The Bible said, if it, well, "What would profit a man if he gained the whole world, but lose his own soul?" And Christians, we don't want to be deceived or distracted by the things of this world. It's one thing to have them; it's another thing for them to have you. And so we've been looking at the thought of the world, and I cannot preach this series without coming to the eighth verse. Of Romans chapter 1 with this wonderful declaration that the Apostle Paul makes about the believers at Rome. And he says to them at this point in time that their faith is spoken of throughout the world and the whole world. And I want to preach to you today a message entitled, It is no secret the whole world knows. It is no secret the whole world knows. What a statement Paul is making here to the believers at Rome. What a compliment. I would dare say that every pastor would want this to be said about his church, that our faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. I think every believer should desire that their faith is spoken of Throughout the whole world. What an awesome thing to be said. If you have been listening to me for some time. You know that I have a certain little catchphrase that I use a lot. In trying to describe something. Uh, I will say that, that an event or a happening or something can be awesome and awful. At the same time, we live in South Florida. Some of you are watching from different parts of the country and around the world. You, we deal with hurricanes. In, in, in all honesty, a hurricane is an awesome, powerful, moving uh, of nature with the wind and the rain and the storms and just the development of that. And, and there really is a beauty to the awesomeness of a hurricane. At the same time, it's awful. It can destroy life. It destroys property. It can disrupt. It has the ability to be those things. And I, I did not want to run by this awesome compliment and miss the awful side of it. I did not want it to be lost in the macro and miss the micro. I think the compliment needs to be paused upon in reflection of how wonderful and special these believers really are. You notice, if you would please, in verse number 7, that Paul doesn't say to the church at Rome. He says to all that be in Rome. The early church here in Rome was made up mostly of Gentiles. And at this time that Paul is writing here, the church is not very well established. It doesn't have a centrist to it. Mostly what you have here are little homes and little groups of people 
that are meeting. And yet, these people that are meeting, many of them in just little small groups, without a central organization leadership structure, many of them without a building, many of them without the things that you and I would deem necessary, have one of the most powerful compliments that could ever be given by somebody that their faith has touched the whole world. Bible scholars tell us that the whole world that is referenced here would be the whole Roman world. Now just think about this for a second. And let's use our our understanding of our day. The world really doesn't pay attention to much. If you want to get the world's attention, you you have to do something pretty crazy. Uh, we just had an experience of that, a horrific experience of that in Nashville, where you had a man that said he wanted the whole world to know what he was going to do, and we all seen the consequence of that. Um, with our media today and the internet today and so on, news can travel fast and the attention spans are short. So if it's going to make the news, if it's going to go viral, if it's going to do something, then, then it's got to be pretty seismic for that to happen. So think about this, right? If the whole world is talking about the faith of these believers in an awesome way, then then that had to be contrasted against something that had to be awful. I mean, in order to know good, you have to have bad. In order to understand bad, you have to know good. In order to understand right, you have to have a wrong. In order to have wrong, you have to have a right. And so I would submit to you that something has happened on an awful level that has created this awesome compliment that has come from the Apostle Paul. And I think that understanding what has happened is is important. When you study the city of Rome and the culture, you understand that it was godless. You understand that it was cruel. Just look at what happened to the Lord Jesus. You understand that it was bloodthirsty. Uh, I have traveled to Israel, and when we go to Israel, they take us to some of the uh, parts where the Romans have still some structures there. And when they explain to you in those bathhouses, and they explain to you in those theaters, what what had happened, you, you have to understand that the culture there was absolutely pathetic and wicked and anti-God and cruel and all of that. And so I think much of that plays into the awful part about what these believers were dealing with in their faith. And if you're going to understand the depth of this message and it's going to impact you for 2021 then you, you need to understand what is being talked about when it says your faith. Your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Well, Pastor, um, if I was to answer that, what, what would be a description of the words of your faith as they're found in verse number 8? I would say that 
man, they're probably talking about their love for God. Uh, they're probably talking about their belief in God. And, and these are things that are tied to their faith. And I would respond to that by saying this, and stay with me the whole message if you would, please. I would say that answer is probably in some regard the reason our churches have lost our influence when it comes to the world. Because what we have done is we've taken a statement as awesome as this and we have attributed just meager uh, interpretation or meager movement of faith. And so we're just going to say, well, because they believed in God and because they somehow loved God that it caught the world's attention. I've got news for you. A belief in God and love for God is not catching the world's attention today, nor did it catch back then. In the text, the word faith is mentioned twice. Look, if you would, please, in verse number 5. Because this comparison here is so important to understand. In verse number 5, the Apostle Paul says, By whom we have received grace and apostleship, For obedience to, and then the next two words are, the faith. Underline or circle the faith. Come, if you would please, to verse number 8. And even though you've already got it underlined or highlighted, circle the words, your faith. And so you find in here... Two descriptions of faith. One is described as the faith. And the other one is described as your faith. And it's important that you see these two descriptions. Because their faith is what is being spoken of. But but you really, if you think about it, you can't really see faith. The Bible says that faith is substantial. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's evidential. It's the evidence of things that are not seen. But when you really talk about it and and, and think about it, you don't really see faith. You see the act of faith or you see the evidence of faith. So, So their faith is being spoken of. I submit to you that their faith is being spoken of because they understand the the faith of verse number five. And the apostle Paul is encouraging them here and he's reminding them and he's joining them in their understanding that they are a servant of the Lord Jesus. They're called of the Lord Jesus. They've been redeemed by the Lord Jesus. They're on the right side there and they've been given grace and apostleship For obedience to the faith. That the faith is the gospel. The faith is the word of God. The faith is what Jude said was once delivered to the saints. And so there is this uh, macro faith in the word of God that would include the gospel. It would include salvation. It would include uh, truth. It would include the faith of the Lord Jesus as we understand. That faith that is once delivered 
to the saints. That's not what's being talked about. That part is not the focus of the cons of the conversation. The focus of the conversation around the world at that time was not the faith, it was their faith. That's interesting. I find that to be true around the water coolers of our employments. Usually, the world's not talking about the faith is as the totality of the word of God. They're more concentrated on your faith, good or bad. It's not necessarily the Lord Jesus that's up for conversation. It's you that's up for conversation. And so you have the faith. And then Paul turns around and compliments their faith. The faith that anchors their faith that is being talked about. So how would you define your faith? Your faith that is spoken of throughout the whole world. Here's where you need the 16th chapter. If you would hold your hand here, go to Romans chapter 16. Stay with me. If you would please turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 16 because it is imperative that you're able to see by definition what Paul was referring to here when he compliments them on your faith. In Romans chapter 16, um, look if you would please at verse number 17. Now I beseech you, brethren... Mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. This is him encouraging these folks here. And avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Now verse number 19 is key. For your What class? You can say it in your house. Obedience is come abroad unto all men. That is Paul closing the book with the same truth that he opened the book to them. This is the compliment that he gave them. In verse number 8 it says... Hey guys, your faith is being spoken of throughout the whole world. At the end of the book, when he's encouraging them to stand strong, he says, now remember, your obedience is come abroad unto all men. So the faith that anchors us as the word of God, truth, the gospel, salvation, the person of Christ, that which has been delivered to the saints. That is our hope. That is our foundation. But that, when it comes to the practice of our lives and the conversation of the world, transitions into your faith. If you want to define your faith, your faith is obedience in the faith. 
Your faith is obedience to the faith. So what is Paul saying here? He's given them an awesome compliment that has awful hidden things that has grabbed the attention of the world that there's come a point in time in their lives where they gave their obedience to the word of God. So captivating was it. It caught the world's attention. So anti-cultural it blew their mind. And the world had never seen in the Roman Empire at that time people walk with God, love God, and obey with such force that, that it caught their attention. I would submit to you that as we think about the church of God and we think about the people of God moving into 2021, I sure would want my faith to be talked about among the world. I sure do want our faith as Plantation Baptist Church to be known throughout our world. And, and our faith is not our doctrine per se. It's not our practice per se. It's not our bylaws. It's not our service times. It's not the way we dress. Really and truthfully, what captivates the world's attention is when somebody just flat obeys the word of God. I was thinking about this word obedience, and I want to unpack it, and I want you to write four thoughts down. If you're going to obey the faith and obey the word of God to the way that it's going to be spoken of throughout the whole world, I think four things come to mind. Number one, opportunity. Opportunity. I would submit to you that there will always be an opportunity presented to you by God and sometimes even by Satan for obedience. Both God and the enemy of your soul desire your obedience. And as you navigate your life, you will find sometimes God is moving to try your faith and test your faith for an act of obedience. Many times, Satan or your own selfish desire or your own flesh will take that and twist it and they'll want obedience God will never try your faith for disobedient purposes he's never going to test you with evil he's never going to tempt you with sin but he absolutely will present to you opportunities to obey the word of God Satan will present to you opportunities to disobey the word of God. And I'm not sure that we look at life through these glasses. But I would submit to you that as we move into 20, 
21. And one thing I want us to be careful for individually, and one thing I want us to be careful for as a church, are the opportunities that God brings into our lives for us to obey the Word of God, to stand on the Word of God, to trust the Word of God. God will do this to grow and develop our faith. God will do this for our good. He will do this for His glory. But He will also do this so that our lives and our faith can be evidenced and seen by the world. Opportunities. I'm not sure we see opportunities as obedience to the Word of God. There ought not to be any higher authority in your life than God's Word. God's Word says yes, then you say yes. If God's Word says no, then it's no. God's Word is truth. It's absolute truth. It should have absolute reign in our lives. And and you will find, if you really think about your life, and you really think about the opportunities that come up in your life, many a times, if you really wanted to reduce them, they boil down to, am I going to obey the Bible or am I not going to obey the Bible? And then once they're reduced down to that understanding of an opportunity, then the second thing is choice. Choice. What are you going to choose? These believers obviously chose to obey God's word. It's one thing for me to stand up here and say, when it's right, choose right. When it's wrong, don't choose that one, right? I understand that that's not easy all the time. I'll say a word about that. But hear me well. The choice to obey God or disobey God is yours to make. The choice that you're going to make is, am I going to obey that Bible? Or am I not going to obey that Bible? Pastor, it's, it's really not that simple. It is that simple. It may not be easy, but it is simple. Well, Paul knew this because in our text, Paul lets the church know that they need some help. They need some help from God, and they need some help From the preacher. Look, if you would, please, at verse number 9. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. So the Apostle Paul knows that these believers are standing and obeying the word of God. He knows that this must be an awful experience as far as the culture, as far as the cruelty, as far as the contrast. It's not simple to be a believer in Rome. And Paul says, I understand that. I'm I'm praying for you. By the way, God hears prayer. God answers prayer. Praying is so important when it comes to your faith. It's so important when it comes to your peace. It amazes me how few of God's people really pray. You're never going to obey the word of God if prayer is not a practice of your life. You're never going to consistently obey the word of God unless prayer is a practice of your life. 
Praying for yourself. Praying for others. Paul said in verse number 10, making request that by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end ye may be established. Paul said, I'm praying for you, but I'm also coming to preach to you. I'm praying that, that you will know God's peace, but I'm coming to impart or preach a spiritual gift or a spiritual truth so that you can be established a fixed heart. The choice to obey or disobey many times has already been made before the opportunity ever exists. It's that fixed heart. It's that walk with God. It's that consistent daily filling of the Holy Spirit of God. It's that prayer of protection, that surrender of my spirit. That's coming to church and hearing the preaching of the word of God. That's fellowshipping with believers. All of that is establishing me and fixing my heart. So when that opportunity comes, then I'm already established in the way that I'm going to go. Pastor, I, I hear all that, and I want all of that, but it's just, it's hard for me. Yeah, so what you're acknowledging is the third part of obedience. You have an opportunity, you make a choice. All choices have consequences. All choices have consequences. And consequences are captivating. They're scary. They're challenging. They're sobering. They come right at the forefront of thought. Sometimes it's even hard to think your way through an opportunity because the consequences just come one right after another. You know, the longer I've been in ministry the more I realize that the patience that's needed with people as we go through things, especially things that I've never been through. Obedience to God, to the Word of God, as those opportunities present themselves and you make those choices to stand, there's going to be consequence. Paul knew that. Look, if you would, at verse number 12. This is one of the reasons why he wanted to come and be with the church. He says, that is, that I may be, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and of me. Now, I really believe that the church at Rome must have suffered tremendous consequence. This is why the statement, well, their faith was just their belief and their love for God is so offensive and so shallow. And it's creating, and it's not, it's creating uh, a lack of influence into the world from the church. It wasn't just a belief and a love. It was a sold out obedience to the faith. Sold out obedience with heavy consequences. Let 
I'm afraid that we live in a day, and don't get me wrong, because I understand that consequences are difficult, but we're letting consequence keep us from doing what God wants us to do. Consequences can be positive, they can be negative, they can be a blessing, they can be a curse. They can be both at the same time. There's no getting around consequence. Well, Pastor, I I just don't deal with that area in my life because I'm afraid of the consequence. What you don't understand is you're reaping the consequence of not dealing with that area in your life. You're not reaping the blessing of God. You're not reaping the peace and joy. Consequences. I submit to you that if the whole world is talking about their obedience to the word of God in the middle of that wicked city, then they must have suffered some great consequences. Why? Because once you have an opportunity for obedience, and once you make a choice to obey, and the consequences come, that's when the testimony appears. In reality, there is no testimony without consequence. There is no faith to be seen or faith to be spoken of without a consequence. What is there to testify of? If you think about the most memorable events in 2020 that you are, are, are concentrated on, you had an opportunity, you had a choice, you had a consequence, and now there's a testimony, positive or negative. And you remember that. You can't have a testimony without consequences. Positive, negative, both together. I think these believers suffered horrifically. I think they were challenged aggressively. Paul could not wait to get to them so he could comfort them. But in the midst of all of that, they obeyed God. They saw every opportunity as the faith. And they made a choice to obey. And it was so mesmerizing that the whole world said, those people really do live what they believe. Those people are honest. Those people are genuine. Today, Really and truthfully, the testimony of most of God's people is we believe it on Sunday and don't believe it the rest of the week. They believe it in the house of God, but they don't believe it in their own house. Oh, they, they praise God when everything's going well, but not when things are hard. You understand what I'm trying to say here, church family? I think in 2021, we need to let our secret out and let the whole world know 
that there is a faith worth receiving, a Savior that we need to believe upon. We need to let our light shine. And we need to affect the world through the obedience that we have to the Word of God. It is the Word of God that anchors us, that strengthens us, that deepens us, that unifies us. Now, I know God's going to give you opportunity. And they're going to come. And sometimes they come so quick, and sometimes they're easy to identify, sometimes they're not. But you want to make a difference? Make the choice to obey. Pastor, it's going to be consequential. Yeah, it is. But God will comfort you. And you will find, even in the midst of those consequences, peace, joy, love. And you will find that in the depth of those consequences, that's where God's going to take your life. And take what he's done in your life. And take your obedience. And use it in your world. To show others who Jesus is. And to show others their need. Opportunity. Choice. Consequence. Testimony. God did not give us 2020 to not use it in 2021. We've been cooped up in our houses. We've been shut up from the world. And we've been locked out. As we make our way now through 2021, we need our faith to be spoken of throughout the whole world. And that faith will be your obedience to the word of God. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father God, didn't want to run by that awesome compliment without realizing there's an awful side to that. The world today is not interested in anything that the church is doing until somebody does something the world doesn't expect. And that is complete obedience to the word of God. Conviction. Choice. Consequence. And then there's a testimony. An old preacher said the only Bible that the world may ever read is our lives. We know that. I don't want 2021 to be a shallow year. I want it to be a victorious year. And I want it to be a year that our faith grows. If our faith is going to grow, then it has to grow from the Word of God because that's where it comes from. The defining of your faith is the obedience to the faith. And that's a great place to start because we can all read. We can all understand the Word. Simple. We don't have to fit a church mold. We don't have to fit somebody else's perspective. We just have to obey what you want us to do. Lord, people are listening to this message and their hearts are being touched. There are some right now
they, they've entered into 2021 and they need to become obedient to you. They need to confess their disobedience. They're only three days in. They need to submit and see the opportunity to obey and make the choice. The consequence will be there, but the comfort of God will be there. And usually what they think is going to destroy them, you will use to shine the light of the gospel. And it turns into a powerful testimony. And their friends will look at them and say, how is it even possible? And we'll be able to tell them this is what God has done and this is what God will do for you. I pray, Lord, that we would sense the depth of this message and not shallow our position, but strengthen it through our obedience. If there be anybody that's listening that does not know the Lord today, they could right now bow their head and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him as their Savior. Speak to hearts, I pray. God, protect our church. Great physician, do your work. Keep us healthy. Bring us back next week, Lord, I pray, so that the house can be full and we can Rejoice with one another. We can be preached to from the word of God. And we can be encouraged by others to obey the word. And that our faith would be spoken of in our worlds to the glory of God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm going to go to the back door now and pretend like I'm shaking your hand. I sure hope to see you next Sunday. I love you with all my heart. I pray you have a blessed day. I pray that you think about the message and you reflect on it all day. And I pray that you have a position of obedience with God today. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We'll see you later.